Welcome to Disarming Persuasion, the podcast for sales and business leadership professionals. My name is Dave Rosenberg, and I am the founder and principal at Locked On Leadership, a consulting firm with a mission to replace Thank God It's Friday with Thank God It's Monday. And I'm Ann Bonney, redhead impersonator and an expert in change management and leadership that people want to follow. Okay, Ann. What are we going to talk about today? Let's talk about how we speak, like our, our language and the, how we use our language when we're trying to be persuasive. Are you really sure about that? I mean, I don't know. No, this is exactly what I'm talking about, Dave. You're, you're like unsure and that is just not persuasive. Well, what what do you mean? I mean, you know, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Well, that's the case with all persuasion. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. But we can increase the chance <laughs> that it will work if we speak with confidence, if we use confident words and don't get all mamby-pamby, just like you kind of just were. And I just did too. Yeah, it's so tough to, I mean, it's, it's actually, it was tough for me to be namby-pamby. I have to be honest. It, <laughs> it, 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 equivocation does not come naturally to me. Um, you know, what, what is it they say? And typically uh, they say that women tend to soften things a lot more than men. And uh, so it it makes sense that you wouldn't be hedging your words and would be speaking with is and and rather than kind of and might be. Yeah, and I think the challenge here is as leaders, we don't want to set false expectations, right? And this is the balancing act. And so to say something definitively when there's a chance it may not happen could be seen as misleading, and, and we don't want to do that. And at the same time, when you say something with some equivocation, you hedge your bet, well, that might work out, right? Now it's not as convincing. Right. It's people are less likely to be persuaded if they don't feel like you have confidence in what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly that. You know, speak it was my mom often said about me, often wrong but never in doubt. <laughs> well, and I think you she has an interesting point of you do need to walk a fine line between arrogance and confidence, you know, where we do need to take account, into account sometimes that there is a might be associated with stuff. But it is important where, especially we're in a sales situation where we believe in our product, you know, saying this is the best on the market. This is the best thing that we have available to you. Yeah. Um, or, or, or you're talking to your team choice. about an initiative or, or some some new change direction. You say, this is where we need to go. Yeah, and being confident about that. Well, an interesting piece of this is also, I've heard, speaking in the present tense. Okay, um, yeah, and, and sorry, I was trying to think of, of some clever way to get to that, but but obviously- <laughs> The brain, the brain has stopped. <laughs> yeah, well, some you know, sometimes it's good not to think. I, did I just say that out loud? You did. That and you because, said sometimes. That's because I wasn't thinking. Um, <laughs> but yeah, when we speak in the present tense, and actually let's talk about speaking in the past tense and, and give an example of, about that um, where, and, and a difference. So 
the past tense might sound like something, let's say I'm talking about uh, somebody's performance. And I, and I say something to the effect of, well, they were an amazing golfer. What's the implication in that? That they might not be now. <laughs> right. Because it's past tense. So if they still are, we would say they are an amazing golfer. That's present tense. So the same mm. thing holds true with anything. That's worked in the past. Okay. Is it still working? Right. This is our yeah. best option. This was our best option. This is our best option. Yeah, I was thinking about it in relation to a movie that I recently saw. I saw everything everywhere all at once. Phenomenal movie. Um, but if I were to say, hey, Dave, oh, my God, that was such a good movie. You might not be as persuaded as what I just said, which is phenomenal movie right now in this moment. Go see it. It was. It is phenomenal. Yeah. And, and in fact, let's use this is a great example using movies, because my wife and I will frequently go back and watch, quote, air quotes, great movies from the past. We watched no. um, uh, um, The French Connection, which, you know, in the 70s, when The French Connection came out, it was just intense, gritty movie. The pacing of movies in the 70s versus the pacing of movies today is the difference between molasses and, and Quicksilver, you know. <laughs> It's just they they were very intellectual movies and not very action driven movies. And so it was just horrifically slow. So it's a great example. If I talked about the French Connection, I, I, I would rightfully say that was one of the greatest movies of its time. Guess what, folks? It ain't anymore. Yeah. <laughs> In context of today's theatrical options. It is not yeah. the best. Right. When we're used to movies that are fast paced, hard hitting, you know, Star Wars is not, I mean, Star Wars is a classic, great movie and I watch it from the, but when you look at the, at the time it was cutting edge CG technology. It's how CG was, CGI was developed for that. And it was wild. I'll never forget that opening scene. And yet by today's uh, special effects standards, it's really weak. Yeah, you watch the first one versus the most modern one, and it is a completely different experience. You're yeah. like, oh, look, a little plastic model flying through the air. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, Star Trek and other, I mean, we're geeking out on science fiction, but I think these are great examples. So when you talk about the past, the implication is that, yes, you know, he was, he's one of my best workers. Not anymore. Mm, yeah. That is what you think. So that adds to the confidence in what we're saying. Like it is good. They are a great applicant. They are. That is a fantastic resume. Yeah. Great examples there in real life. You know, this was a great resume. This was a great applicant. Oh, what happened to make you change your mind? Right. Right. Yeah. So these are great techniques we're talking about. And these will be in the future as well. This, this is something that I think is timeless. So speak with confidence by not, not equivocating. It's funny in, in uh, speaking as, you know, I'm sure audience members know we both do professionally. That's one of the things. And, and you know, uh, any great speaking coach will tell you, stop equivocating, be definitive. Don't say, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example now in my mind, you know, um, 
Well, I can't, but don't equivocate. That. Yeah, don't soften to make it easier to hear. And this goes with performance evaluations too. When we're giving our teams feedback, sometimes in order to make it sound more soft, in order to make it sound more, you know, we'll add the kind ofs and the might haves and all the stuff that kind of softens it. And I just did it right now. Kind of softens it that does soften it. And oftentimes we can water down our message and people don't get that it truly is an issue if we're trying to soften it with these half truths, these half words. Yeah. And that's a really interesting point. Um, this is not just about the, the positives, right? Not only do we not want to decrease the positives by, by equivocating, we also don't want to minimize the negatives by equivocating. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're chronically late. Not sometimes you're chronically late. You're chronically late because you're either chronically mm -hmm. late or you're not. That doesn't mean you're or late we don't every have single day. What, right. what was that? Uh, or we don't have anything to talk about. If you're not chronically late and you were late twice in the last two years, we really don't have anything to talk about. I shouldn't be bringing it up. Yeah. You know? Per perfect example. And now, in that leadership role, if I'm bringing up something that I shouldn't be bringing up, the person's going like, what the heck, you know, don't you have my back? You know, what's, what's mm -hmm. it all about? Are you nitpicking? Is there some, is this a person? The mind just goes to these places instead of going like, look, you're chronically late. You're late at least once a month for the last four months. And that's not acceptable. There is no doubt that once a month now, right, is my definition of chronically late. Now, at and the same clear. time, and now we can talk about the challenge. Yeah, right. At the same time, and this is where I don't want to talk about equivocation, but you got to be careful here, right? This is everything's a double edged sword. If you've been late once or twice in two years, and I go, you're chronically late. You've been late twice over the last two years. Now, I just said that with that same level of confidence, except the facts don't really weigh out, you know. You know, my response to that would be, well, wait a second, boss. Let's talk about your definition of chronically late. Right. Is two times in two years really that big a problem where I genuinely had traffic that I couldn't deal with or, you know, I had an unforeseen thing? I think that's a human. <laughs> exactly. And so now we've decreased our credibility as a boss by overusing it. So we, we have to be really careful here about what what this truly means. Well, totally. And and also thinking about, in gosh, what was my thought? In terms of equivocating, what was I just going to say? I hate it when that happens. Yeah. I don't know. We've hit this awkward pause in this conversation, too. Have you noticed that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not speaking with confidence right now. <laughs> Forcing me to fill in while you're trying to gather your thoughts. This is just what, you know, and... By the way, folks, this is a great example. There are days like this where for whatever reason, you know, and, and that's okay. It, we're not talking about like all the time, you know, if you, if you, again, I'll go back to Star Trek and yes, I'm a geek. Um, but the next generation with Jean-Luc Picard, like he's always out there speaking with absolute certainty, right? There's, there's times when you're going to be uncertain and that's fine too. 
if it's habitual or if you're trying to convince somebody of something, that's not the time to do it. This isn't conscious stuff. This isn't stuff somebody says, oh, well, Dave just said that was a good applicant. And so I don't think it may be anymore. They may not even recognize that they're drawing that meaning from this, but is an unconscious thing that you're not speaking with that confidence, you're equivocating or you're using past tense, and it's just not as persuasive, right? but it may not be a conscious thing in their heads. Right. And, and now the flip side of this too, of course, is let's say we're talking about applicants. This is a great example here. And I think Jane is the perfect applicant. And I go, she's a, and we're talking in a group. She's a, she's a phenomenal, she is a phenomenal applicant. I think she is the best. Now, you may have a different opinion about somebody else. That's fine. If I say, wow, I think she was the best applicant. You know, and that, that's a great, I think she was the best applicant. You might go, oh, I don't know. I think uh, Janet is a better applicant. All of a sudden, the dynamic changes. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it may seem very small, but it uh, it can be very, very true important. I think another piece of the confidence aspect is being present and showing genuine interest, like being present in the conversation and in the moment. We have so many things pulling our attention these days that oftentimes listening and being part of that dialogue, I mean, we're talking about language that we're using, also being present, being able to respond and intelligently interact with somebody is another piece of that confidence. When I know what I'm saying and I know where I'm trying to go, I'm able to listen to your ideas and interweave my own or be convinced or convince you of otherwise. So this confidence in language is something that as we think about it and as we Consider it prior to a conversation. It allows us in the moment to be genuinely interested in the other person because we're confident in our ideas. And that comes through in our language, but it should also come through in our attention. Yeah, I think you, you've hit on something really critical here. If we're confident in our position, we should have not have any issue. We should be willing to be challenged in that position because... And that's why I talk about this all the time. I, I think my opinions are well-formed and, and you and I have disagreements on opinions, you know, not, I would say infrequent, not frequently, not infrequently, but you know, it's, it's a healthy, we have healthy disagreements and both of us, and I, I don't, you know, both of us are confident enough in our mutual positions that we're willing to engage each other and be convinced or, or allow the possibility of being convinced instead of shutting the other person down. Now, most of the time you are wrong in your position, but <laughs> at least you, you. But at least sure. you're willing to, to have that conversation and discuss it. I'll have the conversation. And then the, after I hang up, I'm like, that <laughs> you sound like, no, Astro. but it's true, right? If we are truly confident and this takes, you know, this takes consideration. It takes thinking. Uh, about situations that we're in, about our opinions, about what we're standing up to, about what we're selling, about what we're leading, it takes thought and consideration because oftentimes if we don't have that full consideration of it and full intelligent 
thought about it, we aren't going to be able to speak with confidence. And that's going to spark the ego when there is a disagreement or a challenge or a question rather than actual genuine thought that can stimulate a, a, a good dialogue. Yeah, absolutely. We want to be in a place where we can say, I hadn't considered that. But that only comes exactly. from what, I mean, believe it or not, that is a sign of confidence, right? I think I've considered, oh, I haven't considered that. Let me take a minute and, and chew on that. And I've, I've said that in conference. Let me chew on that for a second, right? Because sometimes I don't see, yeah. I'm not the fastest guy in the world. And sometimes it takes me a day or two to see the implications of something. And then I go, like, oh, wait a second. That implies this and that doesn't make sense, right? Or I go, hmm, yeah, okay. And then I move my position. That's one of my favorite things that happens during workshops. You know, if I'm having interaction with people and they challenge me on something, like I did one for NASA one time and we were talking about emotional intelligence and how understanding somebody's emotional state allows you to shift the way you interact with them in order to get the results you want, which in the case of using our powers for good and not evil is I want you to have this dialogue with me. And so this question somebody put in the chat because it was a virtual thing. He said, how is social regulation in emotional intelligence, what I just said, different than manipulation? And I was like, let me think about this for a second. Immediately what popped into my head was a cold call sales call that I had a couple days before from somebody selling a timeshare or something. And he could tell he was responding on the phone to my hesitation, to my resistance, to my, you know, uh, I never can remember the word in sales where somebody has objection, an argument, objections. Thank you. I can never, ever think of that word. Um, he was responding to those to the point that I was almost convinced that guy was super emotionally intelligent. He was just using his powers for evil and not good, right? He was trying to just sell me at all costs, whether it was what I wanted, needed, or could afford. Um, and so it was interesting as I thought about that. But anyway, it was that my ability, because I know my stuff with emotional intelligence, to say, you know what, as the happy optimist mystic Tigger-esque person that I am. I had never considered emotional intelligence in a negative manipulative context, but you're absolutely right. And I would never have been able to take on that and persuade him that I was good at my job and knew emotional intelligence if I'd been like, oh, no, 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 it's totally different because I didn't like it. It made me uncomfortable. But I know my stuff. And it turns out he had brought up an excellent point. And that moment allowed me to have that dialogue with them in a confident way. Right. And the beauty there is the next time that question comes up, because that comes up in we talk about persuasion all the time. What's the difference between, you know, manipulation and persuasion? And, and my answer is intent. Intent. Yep. Right. Do I have my best interest in mind or yours? And if it's my best interest, then that's manipulation. If it's your best interest, you know, then it's persuasion. Or if it's our best interest, I'd argue that that when we're looking for a win-win, right. I, I am always looking for what I'm trying to achieve, but I also want to take yours into account. So it's not exclusively my self, right. my intent. Right. My and I didn't mean to imply it was it was a net uh, zero sum game, right? It, 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 I just it, like arguing with you. No, you don't. <laughs> yes, I do. No, you don't. 
talk a couple weeks ago about the Monty yes. Python skit? Yes, we did. So good. That's so when, not an argument. That's a just. That's a. That's a contradiction. contradiction. Right. Uh -uh. Oh my God, it's so fun. Contradiction is the automatic game. And you know what's interesting though? That conversation, that skit is based on those two having confidence or one having confidence in what he was saying. So this is what we're talking about right now. No, I get very excited. Sorry. Yeah, it's okay. I'm leaving for vacation tomorrow. I'm very excitable. <laughs> I don't blame you. That's funny. I was just looking at my calendar. I'm, I'm uh, next, next week, the week after next is my vacation. And yes. yeah. And it's like three weeks too late. So I'm kind of brain fried. Um, it's time. Yeah, it is time. So <laughs> the bottom line here is, you know, speak with confidence and be open to hearing somebody else's side. And to gain that, to, to have that confidence or not to have it, but to convey that confidence, speak in the present tense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And be comfortable with that disagreement. It will make you actually more persuasive if they disagree and you can handle it in a confident and mature manner. You're going to end up being a heck of a lot more persuasive because you are willing to engage in that dialogue. Yeah. With and this is the this can be the challenging part. In fact, I'm just thinking of a conversation I had. Um, couple of days ago where I failed at this. And isn't it you know, fun to look back on that? <laughs> well, I mean, I knew at the time, sometimes it's a little bit of out of body experience where you're like going, this is not working, dial it back. <laughs> but I was so emotionally engaged. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we were talking about emotional intelligence, right? So, so I had the awareness. So, you know, that's sort of like step one of emotional intelligence. Mm -hmm. yeah. And in this particular instance, there are a lot of factors that go into this, the control piece, that 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 control valve just failed on me and it wasn't the worst i've ever done but i knew you know my tone of voice and my intensity was failing to get the message across and mm -hmm. it, you know it wasn't it wasn't the words coming out of my mouth i know my words were and and i'm serious about it, my words were were logical and would have been persu more persuasive without the um uh, angry tone yes yes that's exactly it angry tone well and and the the debrief that you're talking about doing right now is exactly what we need to do because as we hear a podcast like this or any other informational podcast where we're like yes i need to do that we're not going to immediately be good at it you know you need to have those moments where you're like okay that didn't go well I need to go look at that and say, okay, next time, what am I going to do differently to get better results? Um, and, and that's the key. When you're finding yourself speaking not with confidence, going back and saying, okay, cool, what just happened? What am I going to do? What? How would I have preferred to do that? And what am I going to do differently next time? Because that's the only way we're going to get better at this stuff is if we're looking directly at it when it doesn't go as well. So congratulations, Dave. Well, thank you. And and give yourself grace too when these, these things happen. You know, I mean, I've been I've been leading teams and people for 30 years and and for the most part, I mean, there's some equivocation folks. For the most part, most of the time, I'm you know, and I'm patting myself on the back. I'm pretty I'm very I'm effective. 
not even pretty effective. And that was incorrect. Not pretty. If I said I'm pretty effective, right? I'm a, I'm effective. And there have been times where I've slipped because we're human. And I think that's really critical. If you start beating yourself up because you expect perfection 100% of the time, there's so many factors that go into uh, emotional intelligence. It's not something like you gain and like, I've got it. And I've made, you know, the Dalai Lama. I'm sure the Dalai Lama has his moments. Probably fewer than me. Probably. But more than you. There are days when you've been meditating all day and it's just frustrating at the end of the day. You just want to eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's ice cream. Yeah. Well, I mean. But but the key from what you're saying is looking directly at it, saying, okay, most of the time I do really well. This time I didn't. So I'm going to forgive myself, but I'm still going to look directly at it to say, what could I have done better? That's the key. When we're like, oh my God, I totally do better most of the time. I'm not going to worry about it. Okay. We're not learning anything. We're not getting any better. And we're not better understanding why in that moment we lost it. So perhaps we could do better in the future. And and I, and I know you meant it this way, but just to clarify, you don't have to worry about it to examine it. Right. In other words, I don't worry about what I just did, but I do examine it. I do learn sure. from it. Okay. Right. Right. I'm not going to eat it. Oh my God. Is that going to happen again? Because the simple answer is yes, it will. And Especially if you don't look at it. Right. But even if you mm-hmm. do, it may be longer. It may be different, different, a different, it comes at you a different way, you know, but typically what happens on something like this for, for people who are high emotional intelligence is that, you know, you have this sort of, I, I envision it of um, like this emotional uh, bank account where you have energy and it's like, yeah, you know, and under normal circumstances, like real easy, I'm real, you know, I have that um, uh, 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 equilibrium about it. I'm, I'm, you know, equanimity towards thing. And then it a, a series of things come at you. This is typically what happens to me. And it just like, you takes energy to, and, and you do good for one, you do good for two, you could, maybe it's 10, but at some point you're like, I'm exhausted. I'm just emotionally exhausted. And then the 11th one comes and you're like, ah, you know, okay. And I liken it to the feeling of hanger, you know, when you're hungry and you're depleted and you just can't hold your stuff together. It's not always related to hunger. <laughs> Right. But it is, you, that's a, that's a beautiful example, right? You, you're, when you're hangry, it's, you know, you have less energy because you're not, you know, your nutritional intake wasn't appropriate for whatever you've been doing that day. And you get that headache, which then you become short tempered, at least for me that, you know, um, mm-hmm. I get Kurt. Um, sometimes I get Steve, I guess sometimes I get other people, but no, um, sorry. I was like Steve. And then I got it. That was funny. Yeah. It was Sub, Four points. Su- yeah. So <laughs> at any rate, right. So it is, that's, that's a great analogy, hangry, right? Because that it, it, it's, it's not, like you said, it's not necessarily a nutritional hangry, but it's an emotional hangry. Yeah. Sometimes it's because you had to deal with traffic and a toddler and, you know, a difficult conversation and a performance evaluation and an important presentation and all that stuff eats away at that emotional energy. Yeah, totally. So examining that is saying, oh, before that meeting, I was at 4 p.m. and I had all of this other stuff. So when I got Kurt with that person and I didn't perform the way I'd like to and the way I usually do, it was probably because it was after a long day. I was hungry. I was tired. I should next time I will 
take a walk around the block to get some fresh air before I go into that tough meeting so I can hold my stuff together or, or whatever. Or there have been times where I've been able to, in the meeting, go, wait a second. I can feel myself reacting before the words come out of my mouth. And I go, wait a second. I just dealt with the, the you know, my car got, um, had a flat tire and my kid was late for school. And you, you, and you go, wait a second. I'm not, I'm not there. And, and, and I've looked at somebody and say, listen, I'm a little grouchy right now. And it's not directed towards you. I've got a bunch of stuff going on. So if I come off that way, I'm asking for some forgiveness. It's, I promise you, right? And I've done that before too. Yeah, yep. Or say, you know what? I'm going to be able to think more clearly about this if we talk about it in about an hour or tomorrow morning. If that's relevant, taking that time out can really kind of help everybody. Sometimes yeah, and I've, I've, I've had people say that to me. I can't deal with this right now. In fact, I'm in conversations with a prospective client who... Um, uh, he, he had a personal issue come up. I'm just trying to be careful, sensitive here to, you know, divulging your personal issue had nothing to do with me, right? It was nothing to do with business, but it was pretty emotionally devastating to him. And he's like, look, man, I got, and then he, 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 he disappeared for like a month um, because he was, mm -hmm. it took him a while to deal with it. And, you know, we, we reconnected. He's like, Hey, I'm back in the world, you know? So those are all valid techniques. And good for him for letting you know that. And it's interesting. Who was I talking to the other day about that vulnerability and willingness? Oh, it was uh, a person on the other podcast I do. Uh, she was talking about how sharing that level of vulnerability, honestly, it goes along with what we're talking about. It's another way to show confidence in yourself, in your abilities, in your competence um, to be able to say, hey, I am not able to focus on this right now because I've got a bunch of other stuff going on, you know, and sometimes you can't do that in the world. Sometimes you need to be there right now and you need to figure it out. And that's when you take a deep breath and do the best you can. And sometimes you can say, when we continue this conversation tomorrow, I've got a few things I really need to get off my plate before I can really focus on this. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And it engenders trust. When, 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 when I can say that to you, what I'm really saying is I trust you. And of course, the reciprocity kicks in where you go, wow, you trust me. That that brings your trust level up as well, right? Your trust level of me because I didn't try mm -hmm. and hide something. Right. Now, if you're doing that at every single meeting, now you're going to have a bit of a problem with your credibility. But if you've built that strong confidence in that other person since the beginning of your relationship, Doing that every once in a while is not going to be a big deal. Right. And, you know, it's funny. Everything we talk about goes full circle because if you're doing it all the time, it's because there's a high probability, equivocation folks, but, you know, this is a case where it makes sense. There's a high probability that you're not doing the reflection and figuring out what's causing these things in the past. So they keep coming up over and over and over again. Right. You're not looking at that overwhelm and figuring out, okay, how do I deal with this? Yeah. You know, and this is something we all, we all wait for the perfect day. You know, it's when this goes away, when this stops, when the kid's out of the house, when this, 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 but 
as soon as one of those things goes away, another thing comes. And so really looking at the reality of your situation and how do I deal with this in the now, because this is where I am right now, rather than waiting for the perfect situation where everything's easy. Yeah. It never happens. And a perfect example, yes, yesterday, the day before, when this situation of mine, you know, I, I was like, all right, I, I, I'm not going to have to deal with this till, and I have to sort of wrap this up. This, this situation will get wrapped up on a meeting I have on Monday. Um, and I think it was, yeah, I think, I think it was, uh, Wednesday morning and I sat down to do my normal meditation, morning meditation, and this just intruded. And mm. I was about halfway through it and I'm like, well, I'm just sitting here. And, and then I just stopped the meditation tape. And frankly, what I did is, cause I was alone in my office, there's nobody around is I let, I, I let it go. I just let it all, you know. You know, you see on TV screaming into pillows. All I didn't. I don't, I'm not a screamer into pillow guy. You know, I was basically beating my left hand with my right. You know, punching my punching my fist. Mm. Just you know, um, mm. and, and just I punched the pillow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. People do that. Whatever, mm-hmm. and just sit there and just. And I'll tell you, at, at the end of that, you know, you get to the point. You're like, okay, I'm just tired. Your body, okay, I'm tired, and and the emotion just sort of dissipates. Well, and there's something there's. Yeah, there's science behind this. You know, if you think of a gazelle, when they have that fight or flight stress response, usually they run, which gets it out of them. Or if they freeze, apparently they sit there and shake for a while to Mm -hmm. kind of move it along, right? But as humans, when we have that stress response, rarely are we being chased by a bear. And so we don't usually run. We don't usually have that stress response because we're trying to keep going with our lives. And we never go through that physical of getting that emotion out. And so, you know, by doing that, by stopping and screaming, by punching the pillow, by punching your fist, whatever, it works through that stress cycle. So your body's like, oh, good. I'm glad we got rid of that. You're still going to have this thing that you need to deal with. And it's not stuck in your body. Yeah. I mean, physiologically, that stress, you know, the cortisol response causes adrenaline, right? And so now adrenaline is like this fuel. You need to burn it off. And, and so, you know, getting into your body, doing physical activity, uh, if you're a workout person, go work out. When I went through my, uh, my divorce, you know, uh, well, actually my separation, because the divorce took, took years. Um, but when I separated from my practice wife, um, and I was living in the bachelor's office or quarter at, at what was at the time NAS Miramar. And, you know, I, I, I'd go back to my little, you know, probably 10 by 10 room with the bed Box. and the TV. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, and I w- had been in a house and I'm just like, oh, and I walk across the street to the gym and I probably worked out 35, 40 days in a row, which is not, they not good from a, like you know, bodybuilding or, or, you know, but man, was that good for my head, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah. and, you know, like uh, that got me through it. So, and- to bring this full circle, being able to work through the, the physical manifestation of those emotions is going to help you to be able to speak with confidence, to be able to perform in the moment and think in the moment of what is the best, most persuasive thing to do in this moment. I think we covered two things today. We did. We did. I was wondering how we were going to tie that. I'm like, my mind, I was going like, okay, how do we bring this back to speaking with confidence? But you just did a fantastic job of it. That's why you pay me the big bucks, Dave. You're going to double my pay? 
I'm going to triple it. Best day ever. Every day with you is the best day ever. Ah, Dave. I have a warm, fuzzy feeling in my deep, gooey underparts. Not my heart. My heart. Good God. We're going to give our listeners (laughs) a a chance to clean up the vomit that they just spewed all over themselves after that. (laughs) I made that super awkward because I'm not used to the gushing. It's been a pleasure chatting with you today, Dave. Yeah, with that, I think, well, folks, we'll, we'll let you go clean uh, clean the drool, and uh, hopefully you'll tune in next week. Hopefully. <laughs> See you then. That concludes another episode of Disarming Persuasion. This is Dave Rosenberg, and you can find my website at LockedOnLeadership.com. And this is Ann Bonnie at YourChangeSpeaker.com. Remember, if they fail to make a decision, you failed to disarm them.